You can have a seat. Aren't you, aren't you thankful this week? This is Thanksgiving week. Maybe, maybe one of the things we could be most thankful for this morning, we've been hearing a lot about it on the, on the media. I'm just so thankful for global warming. Can you imagine how cold it would be? This is amazing. Yeah, this is Thanksgiving week, and uh, this is a time for us to, to really give praise and honor to the Lord and thank Him for the different things in our lives. I know that you've been thinking about that already. I'm, I'm so thankful for, for family, the family that uh, God has, has given to us. Uh, I'll just tell you a little bit about, about our family and, and some of the things we're thankful for. It was actually Thanksgiving week that we moved to Liberia. We had our, our six-year-old son. In fact, it was his birthday, which is uh, November 24th, and his birthday's on Thanksgiving this year again. And uh, we landed in uh, Liberia. We were met there by the missionary couple that was serving there, that we were to, to uh, serve with them for a while and then take their place. And our, our oldest son was in college. Our middle son, Trent, was uh, uh, middle of his semester in school and was going to finish the semester. Anyway, we got there, and uh, the, the missionary family kind of oriented us and introduced us to our work. And five days after we landed, they left. And for the next several weeks, almost every day, I thought, oh, Lord, what have we got ourselves into? How did we let them leave? Because there was so much to learn and so much to do. Well, exactly three months after we arrived, by that time, our, our middle son had moved to be with us and to finish his high school there. And uh, it was a... It was a, a beautiful day. It was a Friday afternoon, and uh, Lucille and I were driving to town to pick up our mail. All the mail was at the post office, and uh, mail is important when you live overseas. It's really a, a connection. And we were driving along the, the road, and here was quite a large group of people. They were just kind of uh, milling along the side of the road, and uh, there was a little girl in the group, and she shot out into the middle of the street right in front of our vehicle. And I, I, can, I can, as I tell you this morning, I can vividly see it. This child running out in front of us, she was running down the street. And all of a sudden I realized that I, I, how could I avoid her? And I slammed on the brakes and the, and the van that I was in skidded and it kept skidding and... This was, of course, it's hot there. The windows were all open, and the the bumper of that van slammed right into the back of this little girl about five or six years of age, and she fell right face forward on the pavement. I, I can still hear it was just a smack like that, just such a smack. And, of course, the van has the wheel right there in front. Here's the window. Here was this child right in front of me. And I thought, oh, I, I have killed a child. I was just just so grief-stricken at the moment. And fortunately, the, the van did stop before it ran over her. And we jumped out of the car and people gathered around. And the little girl was still awake. She was talking. And uh, we, were, we were three or four miles from the hospital. We knew to get an ambulance was 
highly improbable in that in that country. And so Lucille said, quick, let's just put her in the car and take her to the hospital and have them check her out. And two of the men that were there rode along with us, went to the hospital, and uh, the doctors began to examine her. And about an hour later, they came out and said, uh, Reverend Edelton, we can't understand this, but uh, the only injury this girl has is she had a little cut on her forehead. And they said, there's nothing wrong with her inside. There's no internal injuries. God, we knew God had really spared her life that day, and we were so thankful. Well, by the way, if you go overseas, uh, rule number one is don't hit a child with a car. It's, 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 it's just not a good idea. And uh, so, of course, the police came uh, for a report, and uh, so here we were relieved and thankful that this little girl was going to be fine and uh, actually, I think they kept her in the hospital overnight just to observe, but they assured us that she was going to be okay. Well, so here we were now dealing with the police. And uh, so our, our sons were uh, both attending a soccer game. And so Lucille left with, with the vehicle and went to pick them up because it was time. And while she was out there, she wisely went to a missionary couple that we had become friends with that had been in in Liberia for over 30 years, and they were kind of our counselors, our go-to people. And uh, so she told them the situation, and so John said, listen, he said, I'm going to come to the hospital, and I'll help you as you work with the policeman. So he came and and told me, he he said, you'll probably have to go to jail. That's the custom here when you have an accident like that. But he said, uh, you'll be fine. Uh, we'll bring you food and we'll bring you a Bible. And uh, just you don't need to worry about a thing. Well, that was really comforting for a brand new guy that was still in culture shock and such to think about going to, to jail. And uh, he said, um, said that, that may, he said, they'll, they'll definitely impound your vehicle. That's customary here. They keep the vehicle while they're doing the reporting and investigation and such like that. Uh, so it was Friday afternoon. Uh, the, the courts were closed. There was no chance to deal with this until Monday or so. And so with all this encouragement about you'll probably have to go to jail, I, I wasn't feeling very encouraged. I was, uh, I was really wondering what was going to happen. And so we, we went through the report. The policeman filled out the report. And finally, uh, he, he was standing across from me. We were kind of in a, in a waiting room there at the hospital. And uh, he said, uh, Reverend Nettleton, uh, we're going to have to impound your vehicle. Uh, we'll, we'll let you go on home, but but we need to impound your vehicle. And I, I was just, you know, a huge sigh of relief. I, I really wasn't thinking about the vehicle. I was thinking about me. And uh, so I thought everything was good. And uh, so all of a sudden, our son Trent, uh, junior in high school, about 16, 17 years old, he jumped up out of his chair and he came up and stood beside me and he said, officer, he said, we need the vehicle. You take my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can tell they didn't keep me in jail because I'm here today and we survived that experience. But 
Aren't you thankful for kids, how they, they break the ice? And uh, it, was, it was really interesting. It was very tense up until that time. And the officer looked at him for a moment, and then he broke into this huge grin. And just from then on, it was so smooth the way. And uh, they did keep the vehicle, and we were a, our friends took us home, and we, we got along fine, and we survived that experience. Yes, I'm thankful for our families. Thank you for the joy and the happiness that they bring to us. And we've already this morning, we have been really focusing on uh, the goodness of God and how, how much we have to be thankful for. Pastor Andy, is a, in a, we're in a series of the simple gospel. And uh, it's just such a joy to be a part of this flow of this as we look into the scriptures and see the very simple truths that God has for us. And when when Pastor contacted me uh, two or three weeks ago, uh, just asked me if I would be here this morning and uh, and preach. Uh, as I I do, uh, I just almost immediately uh, said to the Lord, Lord, where where do you want this to go? Where where do you want me to, to preach from? And within just a f- a two or three hours, uh, the Lord brought me to this scripture in Second Corinthians uh, just so clearly uh, that since that time, I've just, I've just known this is what he has for us today. And so I want us to, to, to look at the scripture together. We have it up on the screen from Second uh, Corinthians uh, Chapter 8 is our first portion, and we'll start there at verse 1. If you have, uh, you can use the screen, or if you have your Bible with you or your phone, feel free to follow along as we look together into the Scripture. Before we do that, let's just bow our heads for a moment. Father, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your care in our lives We have so much to thank you for. You're such a good and generous God. We pray now that you'll open our hearts to your truth. This is your word, Lord. And I pray that you'll take each uh, aspect of your word and apply it to our hearts. We know that you'll do that differently because we all have different needs. But just help us today as we look into your word. Help us to learn from you and help us to be people of generosity. So, chapter Second Corinthians, chapter eight, verse one, says, "And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty, joy and poverty together. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Some of the happiest people in the world are some that have the least." Joy, overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. It's interesting, isn't it, what he said there in verse 3. He said, I testify that they gave, verse 3, I testify that they gave as much as they were able 
and even beyond their ability. How do we give beyond our ability? Only as, we, as we're teamed up with God, because God is the one that helps us to go beyond. So they, they made a commitment of what they were going to give, and they were able to go beyond that because of the way that God blessed them and supplied. And then he says, going on entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. So a little background on that. There was a famine in, uh, in Jerusalem and in the area of Judea uh, at this time. And uh, Paul and the, the other missionaries had gone and planted these churches across uh, Asia Minor and, of course, the Corinthian church in the peninsula there below, below what is now Greece. And uh, there were Paul and his companions made these journeys and started these different churches. And so now, when the word went out about the famine in Jerusalem, the churches were responding to help, to send aid to the people that were in, in distress. And Paul had sent out this word. He had sent different ones that are mentioned here in this scripture uh, to organize the offering for people to give. And so that's the background of, of what he's speaking here. So we go on to verse 5. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. And so here's the, here's the principle. The first thing in, in generosity is, is giving ourselves to the Lord. As we give ourselves completely to him, then God can begin to birth and grow generosity in our hearts. And so then verse, we go on to verse 6. So we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. God wants us to excel in giving. Isn't that a, a thrilling thing to think about, that we can be excellent in our giving to him and for his causes? Then go on to verse 8. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And so here's our standard of generosity. It's Jesus. He had all of the riches of heaven, the privilege of, of being God and the Son of God, and yet he willingly left all of that behind to come to the earth, to live as a human being, to be an offering for sin, to die on the cross and to be resurrected. And so our model, our pattern of giving, our pattern of generosity is God himself coming to us. Now the next verses, I'm, I'm not going to, to read all of these verses in both chapters, but these next verses, I hope that sometime today you'll take a, a chance to, 
to look at these verses because there are lots of important truths that are taught there. We're going to go down to uh, chapter 9 and start with verse number 6. My, my Bible has a paragraph heading, Sowing Generously. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is a farming analogy, isn't it? Planting and reaping or harvesting. And so uh, if a farmer says, okay, I'm going to save money on seed, and he he sows only half as much seed, uh, what's going to happen to the crop? We all know that. It's going to be greatly diminished. diminished. And, and God is saying to us that he wants us to be generous in planting, in investing in his work, in investing the things that are close to his heart. And then he goes on to say, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so... Uh, we're, we're to give what we have purposed in our hearts. Now, now God's given us some, uh, some guidance on, on where our giving starts. So I'm going to take us to uh, Malachi uh, chapter 3, and uh, there's a teaching there from the book of Malachi uh, about what giving should be. What's the, what's the foundation of our giving? What's the base? What's the the minimum, if you please, that we're to give. So Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. This is speaking of the nation of Israel, how they had turned away from God. Return to me and I will return to you says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. And here's the important teaching that the Lord gives. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Bring the whole tithe. What's the tithe? It's 10%. It's one-tenth. As as children, when we were growing up, we learned when when we received a dollar, 10 cents of that was for the Lord. We set that aside to give to him. We received $10, $1, and so forth. That's the, the floor of giving in the Old Testament. Actually, the, the Jews, were that was not the, all they gave. They gave a number of other offerings, many offerings given to the Lord. And so that's the beginning point. And, and look what it says here. It says, test me, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room to receive it. And then he goes on, again, back to the farming language. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not cast their fruit. That means the fruit will not fall off and and spoil. 
says the Lord Almighty, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And so we have from the book of Malachi this basic teaching that when we bring the tithes into the storehouse, into the church, into God's kingdom, then God blesses us. And I I want us to realize that God's not just speaking of blessing us financially. He certainly does that. But he blesses every area of our lives as we're faithful to him. And you know, when when God has us committed to him with his with our finances, he has all of us because the rest is easy for us to give. The hardest thing for us is to turn loose of our money. I don't know why that is, but it's it's so often true. But when we are committed to tithe and to give offerings to the Lord, then we have that assurance that God has us and we are we are we are tied to him. Okay, let's go back now to uh, 2 Corinthians, to that uh, uh, first part, uh, first chapter there, first uh, paragraph after verse 6, and let's go on. It says in verse 9, as it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. God is our provider. God is our provider. He, he not only provides the, the, the seeds or the resources that we need, he, he gives us the ability to earn our income, our livelihood. That's all from God. He gives us seeds, or planting, he gives us bread, food. Everything that we have comes from God. That's, that's a principle that's, that's throughout the scripture. And he, he gives us seeds that will enlarge the harvest of our righteousness. As we give to God, it changes us inside. It helps us to line up with the righteousness of God. And then verse 11 You will be made rich in every way so that you can have a bigger house, so you can have a bigger boat. It doesn't say that, does it? (laughs) No. Why does God give to us? Why does he, he make us so rich and bountiful? He says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God gives to us not just to hoard for ourselves, not to just, just to amass things around us, but he gives to us so that we can be generous, so that we can, we can pass on that which God gives to us. I, I say that we need to receive God's blessings with, with open hands so that as his blessings come to us, they can pass through our hands and bless and and bless God's work and bless others around us. God wants us to have hearts that are filled with generosity. And that generosity, as it says here in uh, verse number 11, it says that generosity 
will result in thanksgiving to God. Every time we give to God, every time we give away from ourselves to others, that is that is thanksgiving going up to God. We're, we're, we're acknowledging God. We're acknowledging his sovereignty in our lives, his blessings, the way that he pours them out upon us. Now let's go on to the rest of this chapter, verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. The, the, the church... The church is financed by the generosity of the people in the church. And we're able to, to function. I, I love the things that our church is involved in. I love the fact that we are uh, supporting the boardmans, uh, missionaries in Czech Republic, and the other ministries throughout. There, it's, it's in the DNA of our church. I've watched that from the beginning. Pastor Andy has led us into a a spirit of generosity that we're not trying to gather things to ourselves. We want to be channels. We want to be the kind of church and kind of people that God can flow his blessings through us to others. Verse 13 says, Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and if and with everyone else what a what a beautiful beautiful expression here of how god works through the generosity and then verse 14 says and in their prayers for you their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace god has given you thanks be to god for his indescribable gift What's that indescribable gift? That's Jesus that he sent to be our redeemer. I want us to, 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 to go from these scriptures. I'm going to share with you uh, five uh, generosity principles. Let's call them that. There are many more. This is not exhaustive, but clearly from this, this passage that the Lord has led us to are, are these important truths. So the first is that God owns everything. Everything belongs to God. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it belongs to God. One of the the most basic parts of our uh, theology, of our belief, is that God created the earth. I'm fascinated as I read this scripture how many times that that comes up, how it's repeated over and over again. That's something that we we teach our children from the time that they're very small, that who's the creator? God is the creator. We say to kids, who made you? God made you. And God owns everything. He owns the entire universe. He owns us. And everything that we have is from him. You know, James said, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light with whom there's no shadow or or turning. Everything we have belongs to God. There's a scripture in in 1 Chronicles that I want to take us to, 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 29. And this is David right at the end of his life, the author of the, the book of Psalms, the man whose heart was after God, and he wanted to build 
the, the temple. And God had said, no, you're a man of war. I'm going to have your son build the temple. And so in the, the verses leading up to this, uh, David had told how he had organized so many materials to build the temple. He had given from his resources so that the temple could be built. And then as he's there before his people in the close of his life, he gives this prayer. First Chronicles 29, verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. Praise be to you, O Lord God of our father Israel. From everlasting, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Everything belongs to God. He went on to, to say, Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things. All of our wealth, everything that we have, it comes from God. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything that we have in our hand, my friends, is, is from God. It's not our own. It's not our own. It, it's from God. And he has given us everything. So that first principle, everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. And the second principle is we are stewards of that which God entrusts to us. We have many stories in, in the New Testament. Jesus taught this story, what we call the, the parable of the talents. Uh, the three people that were given gifts by uh, the, the owner. And they, he said, I want you to invest these and use them wisely. And, and we know that the first two went out and invested and multiplied what they had. And the third one took that money and, and buried it in the ground. And of course, you know the, the rebuke, the strong rebuke he had from the master. And so we do not own, we, we, have, we have car titles and we have deeds for our homes, but we don't really own them, my friends. They belong to God. I, I don't own the clothes that I'm wearing. Really, it all belongs to God, and we are stewards. And so as we, when, when we consult financial advisors and such like that, we are careful to have someone that has our interest in mind. We are God's stewards, and the things that he's given to us, we're to use them wisely for his work and for his kingdom. That's the second the first, God owns everything. And the second, we are stewards. And then the third principle, God is generous. We've, we've, we've been singing about that this morning. We've just been talking about the goodness, the generosity of God. God is generous, and we are his children. We want to be like him. He wants to make us generous. It's so important for us to submit ourselves to the generosity of God. And then the fourth principle is every generosity is an action of praise and worship to God. Every time we give 
to the Lord. Every time we give to someone else who's in need, every time we give to a kingdom cause, that's an act of praise and worship. We are praising the Lord. We're rejoicing. I I often say that when we give an offering, we should have the biggest smile on our face because it's so true. we, in this, this stage of our lives, we do a lot of giving online, and that's, that's a wonderful convenience, and I, I, I love that. The, the, most of the missionaries that we support, it comes out automatically out of our checking account. The, the giving to our church comes out of our checking account. That's good in many ways, but we need to remind ourselves. We need to look at the date on the calendar because when that money goes from our bank account into God's hands and God's work, That is a time for great celebration. We should be saying hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful privilege that we have because you see our giving, our generosity is an act of worship. It's an act of praise to God. We're acknowledging God that he owns everything. We're acknowledging God that we're his stewards. We're acknowledging God that he is generous and he wants us to be generous as he is. I I uh, think about something that just happened uh, just a few days ago. Uh, we we like to travel, and through the years as as missionaries, we have received the hospitality and generosity of so many people. I'm I, it's just amazing. We're just so thankful, and many times as as we go, we we like to stay with people. I I prefer staying with people over staying in a hotel. A hotel is is uh, really not very friendly. And uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, we were in the Northeast, and we stayed with a young lady. Uh, I say a young lady. She's younger than we are, but she's been a missionary for 40 years, so uh, I guess you do the math. Uh, we stayed with Karen, and uh, so one of the things that we do when we stay with people and receive their generosity is we, we always send a thank you note, and sometimes the Lord impresses on us to send a, a, just a little gift, a monetary gift, uh, not to try to pay for that hospitality at all. And usually what we say is, Here is a, here's a little gift to uh, put back into your hospitality fund, kind of paying it forward. And uh, we received a note from Karen this week and uh, just thanking us again for our visit. And, and, she, and she said, I, when, I, when I got your gift, she said, my first thought was I, I just I didn't want to receive that. And, and uh, then she said, but I, I just the Lord brought to my mind that just a day or so before he had impressed upon her to give to another ministry the exact amount that was in that envelope. Isn't that exciting that we're a part of this this chain, this long line of generosity? And when we give to the Lord, we, we don't have any idea of where that's going to go, probably right into eternity. So many times the, the Lord impresses on us to give to someone else because he's impressed on them to give to someone else. And you know, it just goes on and on. Yes, every act of generosity, that's an act of praise and honor and worship to the Lord. One more that I want to say, number five, Our generosity opens the floodgates of God. Isn't that amazing? The floodgates of God's blessing. In the the scripture Malachi, he said, uh, 
said, if you, if you give the tithe, if you give faithfully, he said, just test me and I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessings that you can't even receive. That is so true. That is so true. Let me quickly just just mention some some uh, some generosity busters. That's a down thing. I, I don't want to step on any toes. Here's some generosity busters. Greed. And you, you, I'll let you fill in the blanks. Poor planning. It happens every time, doesn't it? It just bites us. Impulse buying and waste. Oh, people from overseas, when they come to our nation, they just see so much waste. As, as followers of Christ, we, we, we don't want to be wasteful. Another buster is, is buying on credit. Oh, when we do that, we, we, we up the price about 25, even 30 percent. We need to, to save and then pay cash. Too many toys. Ooh. Oh, that's just for the kids. The kids are the, no. Think about the toys we have as adults. And it seems like with kids, it's easy to always want the newest and the best toy. And that's a generosity buster. We need to look at our toys and, and let God inform us on that extravagant lifestyle. That's not our goal in life is to live extravagantly, is it? We want to be generous. We've lived in in several very poor countries, and many of our homes here in, certainly in our our town, have walk-in closets that are bigger than a home where a whole family of five or six people lives. We've, We've seen inside those homes. And that's millions of people live so as we think about we don't we we don't want to have generosity busters do we let me let me just on a on a better side generosity builders one of the one of the best ways is budgeting and financial planning make sure that your financial planner is biblical that he's guiding you in biblical principles there's there's so much out there today uh on the radio, online. Uh, Moody Radio has uh, Money Wise Live an hour every afternoon where they just give biblical principles about how we live. Here I am at this stage of my life and I love listening to that and just learning about the ways that we can honor the Lord. We need to build into our lifestyle a, a pattern of saving that we're setting aside not only for our for our future, but as we set aside faithfully and save regularly, then that enables us to be generous. Giving regularly to God's kingdom. That's that's the foundation. That's back to the beginning. You remember that? That the Lord's told us to bring the tithe into the storehouse. Giving to God's uh, God's kingdom, giving to the local church, giving to the ministries. I think about Lucille and me, uh, it's been decades ago. We were we were fairly newly married. In fact, we didn't have children then. The f- we went to a, a missions conference. We were living in California. And we drove to a mission conference up here at Winona Lake, Indiana. 
And we heard about faith promise giving of, and uh, giving to missionaries. And the Lord put on our heart to begin supporting at a very entry level two missionary families. And we began doing that. And then as the years have gone by, it is just amazing to see what God has done in our lives. To see the impact of that decision of, of making a faith promise, committing to the Lord, even the small amount, amount that, that uh, we, we didn't know with our income, where it would come from. But you see, God enabled that. And that began to establish in us a pattern of giving to the Lord, a pattern of putting his work first. And here we are, more than 40 years later, our, our sons are now all grown, and we see the impact of that decision in their lives. Two of them are involved uh, giving their lives to international ministries. They're all serving the Lord. They have generous hearts, and now we see our grandkids following in that same pattern of generosity to God. God is a generous God. He loves us so much, and he wants us to be generous. Let's just bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're here in this room. Thank you for the spirit of worship that we have as we worshiped and sung to you today and praised you. We thank you for your instructions to us from the word. I pray that you'll take the truths of these scriptures, teach them to us, help us to take time through the day and through the week to reflect on these scriptures and to to seek out the things that you're teaching us. Help us each one to take the next steps that you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for for this privilege of being here. And I, I didn't mention it this morning, but we just to make sure we all know, our first step to generosity is giving our hearts and lives to Jesus. And if you haven't done that, if you haven't given your heart to the Lord and made him the Lord of your life, I want to encourage you to do that today. God bless you.